Good morning, friends. I feel very grateful to be with you this morning. I feel grateful for my relationship with this community as a member, under your care as a candidate for ordination, as a teaching elder, now on your staff as a member of the pastoral care team, and this morning in this capacity as we break open this story together of this interaction between God and Elijah. And I want to remind you that that same God who, uh, as Josh read for us, so tenderly cared for Elijah is here with us. And I invite you to join your spirits with mine in prayer. Gentle one, we invite your tenderness into our need. We welcome your calmness into our stress. We receive your nourishment into our hunger. Amen. The title of my message today has to do with food. When was the last time you ate? So I want to start with an experience I had at a restaurant. At the Tex-Mex restaurant chain Chewy's. Has anybody ever eaten at a Chewy's before? Oh, I'm not the only one, thank goodness. Your flatware comes in a little sealed envelope. And on the envelope are three graces. A Jewish grace, a Catholic grace, and a Protestant grace. The Jewish grace reads, Lift up your hands toward the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who bringest forth bread from the earth. Amen. I thought that was a really lovely grace. It sounded like worship to me, giving credit to God where credit is due. The Catholic grace reads, Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive from thy bounty. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Again, a very lovely grace. This one, to me, sounded like just a grateful acceptance of God's gifts. No strings attached, just given and received, a simple thank you. And then I read the Protestant grace. My Protestant friends, see if you can spot the difference. Bless, O Lord, this food to our use, and us to thy service and make us ever mindful of the needs of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Also, a lovely grace. But did you hear the difference between that grace and the other two graces? I confess, I laughed when I read this grace, sitting there in Chewy's. The Protestant grace just had to talk about work. That phrase, Protestant work ethic, doesn't exist for no reason. Now, I have said a grace similar to that many times, and maybe you have too. Protestant spirituality, and in particular, I think, Presbyterian spirituality, embraces the idea that God gives to us, and inherent in those gifts is a calling to use those gifts, to serve, to help, to be Jesus' hands and feet in the world. This is a beautiful contribution that we make 
to the world of Christian spirituality. But seeing that grace next to the other two graces raised a question. The possibility that maybe, sometimes, we can be a little too focused on what God wants us to do and maybe not open enough to what God just wants to give. Now, maybe some of you are like me. I have a tendency to be a problem solver. I like to fix things. I can see a situation and think, okay, here's what we need to do. I also tend to be more comfortable giving help than receiving help. But this approach can take a toll on us. Spiritual writer and teacher Thomas Merton put it very bluntly once when he wrote that to commit oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything, is to succumb to violence. He says that we do violence to ourselves. And he says that this type of violence destroys our inner capacity for peace. And so it can neutralize our work for peace. The demands of those multitude of concerns cuts across our whole lives as we parent, as we grandparent, as we care for family members, take care of our homes, there's our jobs, and don't forget we should exercise and make sure we're having fun and spending time with friends, the list goes on. And even our lives in a faith community can be overwhelming sometimes. One professor and preacher cautions those of us who find God in doing, worshiping, potlucking, committee meetings, book clubs, church cleanup days, to balance our activity for God with times of receptivity to God. Elijah needed a time of receptivity. Elijah was a prophet, meaning he spoke for God. And most often, he had to speak to the ruling monarch, and most often, he had to deliver messages that the monarch did not want to hear. As we meet him today, his activity for God has overwhelmed him. He's discouraged, he's anxious, and now he's afraid for his life. So Elijah runs out into the wilderness, plops down under a tree, and falls asleep. What follows, to me, is a beautiful story about caregiving. A story about what this useful man truly needed and what God wanted to give him. First, notice that Elijah slept, then ate, then slept and ate again. Sometimes when we're overwhelmed and out of sorts, we need to start with the simple things. How are you sleeping? When was the last time you ate? After Elijah got some rest and some food, 
Eventually, God invited Elijah to talk about how he was feeling. What was going on? God asked, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah pours his heart out, expressing all his pain to God. And God listened. Once wasn't enough. God asked the question again, as if to say, Elijah, is there more? Elijah was so stressed that he couldn't see his situation clearly. He said he felt alone. I alone am left. But he'd forgotten or wasn't able to see that there were, in fact, other prophets working for God. We hear about those prophets earlier in 1 Kings. Sometimes we may have resources that we just can't see in our overwhelmed state. But God didn't get caught up in Elijah's version of the story, pointing out the flaws in what he was saying. God just left room for Elijah to gain a fresh perspective. And then in a well-known section of this story, God speaks to Elijah, not in the wind, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, but in a sound of sheer silence. This passage has been much studied and interpreted, and I think that one valid interpretation is to say that maybe God knew that Elijah just needed a break from all the words, all the demands of his role, all the drama. He didn't need to be told what to do. He just needed some space and quiet to be, to come back to himself, to remember who he was and who God is. Now, Elijah did go back to work. There's always more work to do. But he didn't go back in quite the same way. In part of the passage that we didn't hear today, as it goes on, God gives Elijah the very next thing to do. We did hear that part sometimes when we're feeling overwhelmed. We need to be reminded that we don't have to solve the whole problem, complete the whole task. We just need to take the very next step. And God also told Elijah to find someone to help him. Find someone to start helping you on this job and eventually take over for you. God invites this frazzled, anxious, discouraged, fearful man to get some rest, eat something, talk about how he's feeling. God offered him some quiet and some space. God offered him God's presence. God showed him a way forward. Not so that he could be more useful, but so that he could be more whole. This morning, we, like Elijah, have left our daily lives, the demands of our busy weeks, and we've journeyed here to God, bringing all of our joys and struggles with us. Just as God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? God might be asking us, what are you doing here? Have you ever had one of those weeks? One of those weeks when it seems like 
the long-range things, the short-range things, the daily things, the unexpected emergency things are all happening at the same time. You feel like you need to think about them all at the same time and work on all of them at the same time. That's the kind of week I've had. That's the kind of week I left to come here this morning. At our staff meeting this week at Knox, Tina led us on an exercise meant to help us identify our feelings. Two of mine were overwhelmed and cranky. Maybe you know what I mean. But as God gathered us here, gathered us, spoken to us, listened to our prayers, only to patch us up and send us out to do it all again, is God primarily looking at us as useful? Or might God want to just give us something this morning? A break? Some nourishment for our spirits? Time and space to gain a new perspective? To come back to ourselves and remember who we are? I heard a woman say once that she comes to church to be patted back into shape. Maybe that's why you're here this morning. So as I close, I want to invite us to take a break from the words and the activity to receive from God. We're going to sit in the quiet, in the sheer silence, for just a minute. Now in this quiet, if you need to cough or sneeze or the pew creaks or a young one makes some noise, that's okay. And as we sit in the quiet, you may just want to breathe. You may want to take in this beautiful space. Or you may want to ask, God, in this moment, in the middle of what my life looks like right now, what do you want for me?